Hey, hey, my fellow RDs. Thank you for tuning in today. I know it's coming out a little bit later than usual, but my flight was insane yesterday. I think my entire travel day ended up being about 12 hours and was only supposed to be like five hours. So, you know, things happen in this crazy post-COVID, I don't know what their excuses are, airline world. Um, But it is what it is. And I'll get into more of that in just a second, but I'm starting every episode now with a card pull. And I pulled this beforehand and I let my pendulum necklace do the work for me because I just wasn't feeling a pull towards the cards today like I explained last week. So I got four cards and then I asked again. I was like, I've never done an, an even card pull and like asked the necklace again and I was like hey yo like do I do I need a fifth card and my necklace gave me a resounding no so we got four cards today first one is boundaries the next one is sisterhood of the rose which sounds baller and then council of light and then last one is lemuria lemuria I feel like I'm butchering that it's l-e-m-u-r-i-a Lemuria. Let's go with that. So basically what I got from this is boundaries. (laughs) Like saying yes when you really mean no is not only disrespectful to yourself, but that could also mean that like you're lacking in some area and recognizing that when you're saying the opposite of what you mean is really important, right? Like where am I lacking? What do I need Is it approval? Is it fear? What's behind that? And I thought that that was really interesting. Um, And then it also says to tune into your gut feelings. That's not my, um, that's not where I feel drawn to things or make my decisions, which I'm going to dive into completely this episode, which I'm really excited about. So this is going to be a little bit more human design focused and understanding your Uh, decision-making tools. So I just want to clarify there that like, for me, it's not gut feelings that I tune into. It's where my heart is drawing me that I tune into. And I'll explain what all of the different means of uh, decision-making look like later in this episode. The next one is Sisterhood of the Rose. The Rose. Oh my God. Why can I not speak today? Anyway, this is basically like chill out, listen to mother earth spend some time outside admiring all of the beautiful things and then every time you like dive in to create something notice the beauty around you um and just go a little bit slower around it right like so surround yourself with that beauty but also just do it a little bit more slowly and a little bit more um what's the word i'm looking for not in flow but uh, with purpose do it a little bit more with purpose. The next card is Council of Light. So basically this is like, think of it as like the spiritual United Nations there to help you if you want it, right? You got to ask for it. And I thought that that's really cool. Um, And I totally believe that like, whether it's like past relatives or past people who have had an impact on our lives, who have since passed, right? Like they're there to look out for us. And I Maybe it's part of this Council of Light United Nations situation. Maybe it's not. Um, But 
I know that we're not doing things alone, right? Like if we want the help, it's there. We just have to ask for it, whether it's prayer, whether it's universe to source outreach, right? Like there's always something else that like we can tap into for not just guidance, but like just like a spiritual shoulder to lean on, if you will. And then the last one that I'm having fantastic uh, challenges pronouncing the Lemuria, Lemuria, Lemuria. Um, basically what this card is representing is like the past heaven on earth kind of situation. Um, basically I'm not crazy. Uh, I'm not crazy. <laughs> no, I am not crazy religious. I mean, I grew up a Catholic, but this is basically just like saying they're like garden Eden existed on earth and like yeah, maybe take that with a grain of salt, but I think this is more about like if as humans we can all tap into like trusting ourselves, loving ourselves, understanding ourselves, that there won't be a need to minimize someone else, right? Like if we're as whole as we can be on an individual level, then we don't need to shit on other people to make ourselves feel better. We don't need to harm anyone else to make ourselves feel better. And I think the ultimate goal with that is to like live in this peace and harmony that I think is more than like creating a literal place on earth, right? Like not squishing a fly because it's obnoxious and it's in your house, but rather like if you can catch it and put it back outside, awesome. So I think that's more of the concept that 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 one was trying to share and usually i can find a theme in all of these cards but i don't have or at least it hasn't come to me yet i don't have a theme that like everything has all of those cards have given me so i think that that's just interesting because sometimes there are sometimes there are themes and sometimes there aren't and that's okay i mentioned a little bit last week right like the burnout piece of it and not feeling in alignment and i think I'm still doing that <laughs> even with the um, even with recognizing that in our discussion last week I mean you were here but you weren't really contributing so my rant my rants last week of like knowing what my energy feels like and sometimes still feeling that outside pressure so let me give you a quick wrap-up of what's gone down the last couple of days and this, I guess, pretty vulnerable moment. So I was in Denver the last couple of days to host two of the Roundtable Rendezvous, and it ended up just being one of the Roundtable Rendezvous. So I learned a lot from this experience, because over the last three to four weeks, I was doing a significant amount of outreach. And if you want to hear that, I think that was two episodes ago, my outreach strategy to get people um, excited about the Roundtable Rendezvous outside of the Instagram space. So, <sighs> so I was doing a tremendous amount of outreach, which in turn was burning me out. But also, I think I'm going about this extremely incorrectly. And I think some of it's verbiage, which I've honed in on and I think that that's super helpful and I'll get to more of that in just a second and then the next piece of it is I'm not sure if our field is ready for something like this and what I mean by that is like people seeing outside of like the normal networking space so let's go back to the first piece of it 
my messaging was hella off because networking I think brings a certain connotation to people's minds of like uh, like a big formula company is like or maybe even like a big like big pharma company is like holding an event space for like how their things work and they're offering a CEU and they're offering you this amazing delicious meal and that's all because they have the budget to be able to do that however yes you're getting delicious food you're maybe meeting other dietitians or other health professionals at those events and you're probably getting a CEU because again they have the money to pay for all of this but are you actually making connections with the people there at these quote-unquote networking events that are so ingrained in our minds as dietitians slash health professionals? Probably not. I have gone to a couple of these myself when I was still in the clinical space and I was invited by another colleague to attend one. I think it was for um, like an HIV drug because that's the space that he was in. And what's funny is that I actually ended up did meet or rather I actually ended up meeting some really cool people there and I ended up joining a softball team with them. Um, but that was randomly fortuitous and I don't remember anyone else there to be completely honest. I made one really cool connection and it wasn't even nutrition related, right? I'm pretty sure she, she was a therapist and she just happened to be on the softball team with these really cool people. And then I joined them and then, you know, I was on the softball team for like a year, but like, that's not the point. What I'm trying to say is these events that are typical networking events that are ingrained in our mind as dietitians don't foster connection. They don't foster collaboration and they most definitely don't foster like an ongoing relationship after that one space, after that one event. And a lot of the feedback that I got from dietitians that I reached out to was, I don't want to pay for networking, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I can get this for free. I don't understand what this price is getting me. And that's part of my marketing, but I'll talk about that in a second. And and again, it was going back to, I get this for free. And there's so much more, there's so many more bells and whistles. So I think as a field, we might have to start changing our thought processes behind what we're getting out of an event. Yes, those those spaces in particular, when they're held by a large company or you're talking about a specific topic like weight inclusivity or renal function or something along those lines, they are going to all have one, a very specific target audience who are probably going to be quote unquote your people. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the aim of that event is for connection. Oftentimes the aims of those events is to get you to buy a product or to give you a CEU and increase your knowledge in a certain area. And yes, oftentimes connection is a piece of it, but that's not what people are going there for. That's not the sole purpose. And if it is like a portion of their purpose, it's probably just to hand out cards and there's always a lack of follow-up. So that is what I've garnered over the last couple of weeks. And that's been really challenging for me, like in my mindset of being so collaborative that I, from, from what I learned in the January event is that people do want to network, right? This, this is my event back in New York, the Summit and Social. But I'm seeing it so differently in different places throughout the U.S. And I think the next piece of that is 
every city is so vastly different and marketing to every city is so vastly different. So definitely a learning experience the last couple of days and weeks. So about the marketing piece of it, man, I am grateful that I'm doing so many of these events. It's exhausting. However, it's given me the chance to learn so, 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 so much. Not only that the marketing is different in almost every city that I've reached out to thus far, but also the actual like verbiage that I'm using. Like I said, like I mentioned earlier, calling it networking did not vibe with people because we have this certain connotation about networking as a field. The next piece of it. So I changed the networking into uh, a connection space and round table. That vibed a little bit more with people. But again, on my end, I know what these event spaces provide to the attendees. And I've heard it from all of the attendees. Like, I wouldn't have spoken to that person outside of this space. Like, if I had just seen that RD on Instagram, I wouldn't have spoken to X, Y, and like to that person. And now they've had multiple collaborative endeavors together, right? And then we had another conversation just recently in Denver. So this was like two or three days ago. And we were talking about like the hierarchy that dietitians create for themselves as quote unquote, the expert of like being experts in nutrition. But if you think about it, we're just generalists unless we dive deeper. So can we really be the experts unless we dive deeper? Probably not. However, there are people who hold the title of nutritionist or functional nutritionist who aren't dietitians, but they've like already in their studies know it's not the same as a BS or an MS, but they've already dove, dove in, dove, dived, doved words. They've already gone so much more deep, so much deeper. (laughs) My gosh, guys, they've gone so much deeper in a specific area of study that, yeah, they might actually be the experts in that area. So I think the big aha moment from this past trip, um, rather from this past roundtable in Denver, is that we can still associate with nutritionists and functional practitioners who don't hold an RD after their names, because there are some areas that they will be more knowledgeable than we are. So why do we have to put ourselves up on this nutrition expert pedestal, right? I mean, I know why, and like we've gone into it in literally almost every roundtable that I've hosted, but I just think that that's really interesting. Like that was a really big aha moment for one of the people there, right? So I know, I know that these conversations are making impact and challenging the status quo, if you will, but it's a matter of formulating that into messaging that really resonates with people, right? So like on a sales page, for example, like I don't think I was doing a good job of that before because I know what these events hold space for and the value that comes from them and the different thought processes and connections and continued post-event connections that can come from them and other collaborative endeavors that can come from them. However, putting that into words on a sales page or when you're just introducing yourself to someone in cold outreach can be very challenging, right? Like, How do you wrap Celestina up in a three-sentence intro? It's really fucking hard. And that's the challenge that I have been facing over the last couple of weeks, rejection after rejection after rejection, because they don't get it. And I'm not doing a good job, or rather, I wasn't doing a good job of explaining it. So that was a huge learning experience for me. And like, 
it feels like failure when you're in the moment of messaging all these people and they're like, wow, what a cool idea, but I don't see the value in it. Or I'm going on vacation, man, (laughs) I'll talk about like Chicago and the change of dates in just a second because I was supposed to be in Chicago physically right now. Um, But 90% of the people that I reached out to in Chicago are going on vacation seemingly this coming weekend. So I'll talk about more of that in a second. But I think the messaging piece, this is one thing that I have learned from, hmm, I'm trying to think if I've learned this from business coaches or not. I feel like they're always more of like a, scarcity mindset kind of tactic, at least the ones that I've worked with. And again, this is not a general statement for the people who are business coaches listening. I'm not shitting on you. I'm just expressing what I've experienced from my past business coach experiences. KK? Cool. Because I've definitely been called out on that before. So I feel like I just need to justify all of that statement. But what I'm trying to say is I actually think I learned this from Oh, what is his name? Donald Milder, Donald Miller building a story brand. So I think he was formerly like in the like book industry or like playwriting industry. So he's very much of like telling a story, hence building a story brand. Um, but evoking emotion in what you're doing, I think is really key. And not just talking about the benefits as like bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, but telling a story behind it. And I think that that's really important. And that's what what was lacking initially in what I was talking about. So if you guys go check out the revised sales page, and I'll drop it below for the roundtable, I think now it not only tells you like the specs of the event, for example, but like really what you're getting from the space and how it can be impactful. And again, it's going to resonate with some people and it's also not going to resonate with others. And that's okay. It's scary and it's kind of shitty for sure. But I want people who who understand it and who like want to be there, you know? So that was the emotional roller coaster that I've been on the last couple of weeks. Um, Last week, maybe. And I mentioned earlier, probably 15 minutes ago in this episode, that I'm still feeling really unaligned because I was doing outreach crazy early in the morning, literally would get up at 5 a.m., do outreach because that was before people would like check their inboxes or like whatever, right? Like check their LinkedIn. And as I'm going to bring human design into this because you know it, as a manifester, I should be starting my days off on a more peaceful note, a little bit more in quiet, things that bring me joy. And I have not been doing that. And I've felt this continued stress on my root center, um, which I think I've talked about a little bit last week, right? Like that's the pressure center, especially if you have it open on your chart, which means like not colored in. And I've definitely felt the pressure. I think I'm putting pressure on myself, but I'm also feeling it externally because I don't want to disappoint the people around me who are supporting me both monetarily and um, I guess emotionally through this process, right? I don't want to fail. And that's really scary because in our society, like success is, I guess, externally, um, six, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? It's externally validated, right? By other people saying, oh, wow, great job, great job, great job. Um, but 
you can also determine your own success, but it's also societally determined, right? Like money is typically a societal determination of success, not necessarily like having one person show up and like that's not the case, right? Like I had several people show up to my Monday event, but I did have no one show up to my past Tuesday event. And for me, I feel like shit because of that, because I know that I reached out to literally hundreds of people and it didn't resonate with them. So again, that that goes back to my messaging, which I've since changed, but it really sucks hearing rejection after rejection and not feeling uplifted or supported in what you're doing. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's any more I have to say about that really, but like know that you're not alone in when you're trying to do something different, when you're trying to do something new, it's going to take a hot minute for people to understand it. And that sucks because there's a lot of, "Mm, I don't understand, or "Mm, this isn't my vibe, or why are you doing this? Um, There's a lot of no's before there's yeses. And there's probably 20 no's or 50 no's for one yes, which is not great for one's ego. I can let you know that, right? Like it's pretty defeating. But I think it's also just really important to remember that like, if you're doing something new, if you're doing something that hasn't been done before, it's going to take a hot minute for people to get it and that's okay. So that's kind of where I am now. And right now it is Thursday. Technically this episode should be up already, but I'm going to tell you why it's not. Well, now it is because you're listening to it, but I'm going to tell you why it wasn't up earlier. So yesterday my flight was delayed from Denver to back to Vegas and then I was going to leave for Chicago bright and early this morning. And one, I didn't have anyone signed up for Chicago and that, wow, literally like pit in my stomach to say that, right? Being a couple of days out and not having anyone signed up fucking sucks. However, I think yesterday's flight malfunctions and like very tight timeline this weekend really got me thinking and I was like, hey, like maybe this is insane di the universe, right? Like a sign from the universe that this doesn't need to happen this weekend and that's okay. I was already having hesitations of pulling it back to one day rather than keeping it two days. And again, this is vulnerable AF to share. And this I think is what business owners don't typically share. We don't share the shit and there's a lot of shit before it gets good, right? So just because I have... X amount of dates on the books for this summer doesn't mean every date is going to be amazing. Man, I freaking hope it is. However, there's a lot that goes into all of this space, all of this, and like, right? Like all of the spaces, there's a lot of energy that goes into that. There's so much energy into the networking piece of it and getting to know people because it's more than just bringing in the people who I already know and love from Instagram. It's reaching out to others and showing them this world that they may not know and especially if people are in the clinical space they're probably not on instagram right like as entrepreneurs we are on instagram but like not everyone is so this is a necessary piece but also man it burns me out to do all of that outreach so i think it's important to pull back and actually one of the first cards that i pulled that i ended up putting back Um, was get grounded. And I think I pulled that last week too. But 
really just like taking a hot second, chilling the fuck out and not feeling like I have to go, go, go all the time. I think I'm trying to force all of this. And again, that's counter to what my human design is. So taking a hot second to reassess and readjust all of this, I think is really important. So long story short, Chicago was not canceled, but it has been pushed back two months. So I messaged my business boo yesterday, Josh, and I was like, dude, I think I'm getting a sign that like I shouldn't be doing this this weekend. And I was like, but it's going to be really awkward to have to like reach back out to all of those people who I reached out to who said they couldn't come because they were on vacation this weekend. He's like, yeah, but it's worth it. Like then they can still potentially come in the future. And I was like, shit, you're right. So this to say, I don't think this is like a tail between the legs kind of moment. I honestly had like renewed sense of excitement after I postponed this event like formally. So it's now August 18th, which is a Friday, tentatively also the 17th if I have a decent amount of turnout because people don't like weekend events I'm finding. Y'all like weekday events, which is fine. So I think that that's also really important to note. If you, on the other end, and plan to host something for colleagues, do it on a weekday. That's when people prefer it. Fun fact. Um, yeah, so those are the learning lessons. And I hope that, I don't know, I felt vulnerable AF to me because I feel like people don't really share failure. And there's been a tremendous amount of, I can't say failure. There just hasn't been different word for it. Yeah, it just hasn't been as epic as I wanted it to be. But again, it can't be, I determine what my success is. I determine what my failure is, right? Quote unquote failure. So I don't think it's failure. It's just a learning lesson and something to take a break from for maybe a hot second, but then also just go at it with so much more strength, so much more drive and with my cup refilled, you know? So, but all of this is going to lead into the discussion about how to know when something is for you and when something isn't for you based off of your human design. And I've been doing some shit that hasn't been for me and I haven't been listening to myself. And I think that that's really, really, really important because knowing what your energy is supposed to feel like is going to help you make more informed decisions in an aligned way so that you're not feeling like you're doing things for other people, but you're really doing things for you, you know? So we are going to go over the five different um, human design types. And I think it's also important when we're talking about this to not box yourself in. Because even though you fit this quote unquote type, there's so much more nuance in your chart that I can't see that is really like, molding you and shaping you and that's not on the back burner that is those pieces are also 100% you so what I'm saying here is basically just your decision making process if you fall into this type and under this strategy however or rather this type and this authority but there's so much more you in those deeper layers of your design as well so just keep that in mind cool okay let's roll with this So we are going to start out with the five different human design types, which are manifestors, manifesting generators, generators, 
sorry, projectors and reflectors. So manifestors are here to initiate, right? Or they are here to make new things happen. So the way you do that is by speaking, by informing as a manifester. So you're here to inform. The next one is manifesting generators. You are here to respond and then inform or then to take action on. What does that look like? Um, Actually, you know what? Let me go back to manifestors because this can get kind of confusing and I want to make sure that I'm getting all of the details. So manifestors, you are not taking a response to anything around you, right? If someone suggests something to you, cool. It might be for you. It might be not for you, right? Like it needs to come. I'm a manifestor so I can explain this-ish feels like a download right like it's you get this idea from where your brain source whatever you want to call it the universe um you get this idea and then you act upon it if people try and stop you that's probably not great you want to have like utter and complete focus when you are in this creative download mode and allow yourself like quiet time to have this like creative download mode i think that's also really important So that's manifestors kind of in a nutshell. Yeah, hopefully that's helpful. Next one, manifesting generators. So again, you are here to respond and then inform. It's a multifaceted, um, I guess, process, if you will. So as MGs, you take information in from your outside world. So you want to listen to others' ideas. You want to listen or even ask others for their opinions, right? Like, what their take on this is, what resonates with them most, and then create something based off of that. So what that could look like potentially is you have a bunch of clients who have been asking for, um, I don't know, like a, a guide to renal food. I don't know why I'm on a renal kick today, but like, what can I eat? Um, if I'm, if my EGFR is at this level, right? And you're like, oh, I know exactly what, like, I know exactly what to do for you. But you've had three or four clients ask about it. And you're like, hmm, it's really annoying, like asking or rather repeating myself all the time. So maybe I will create a handout on this or I will create a quick video on this, right? So they're asking for things and you've had multiple people asking for things and then you create something in response to that. That's what you are here to do as an MG, and you're probably going to do it pretty quick and there will be mistakes with it. So give yourself some grace in that, right? Like it's not always going to be perfect. There will be mistakes because you're doing it so quickly and that's okay. That's part of who you are. Um, But the strategy piece in that is to respond and then inform or respond and then do. Okay. Really important. Then for generators, you are here to respond. You're like the worker bees, if you will. I don't know why I said it like that. You're like the worker bees of like the getting shit done peeps. And that's not to say that if you're a generator and you have your own business that you can't come up with ideas on your own, right? But my like the strategy here is to respond to something. So if you're seeing the need in the outside world or if people are asking for it, like fill the need. And I think that that's the mindset that a lot of business coaches also project onto people, right? Like fill the need. So this is, that's literally your strategy is to fill the need of things around you. If you have, um, clients struggling with, uh, I don't, can't even think of like a a practical example again, but if you have clients struggling with something specific, create something specific 
to like meet that need for them. And if it's one-on-one, maybe it's a tailored session on on whatever you need to do. Maybe it's a video, maybe it's a tailored um, meal plan or something along those lines, but like to meet that client's need specifically, right? So think of how you can respond to the things from your outside world and then then initiate and do do the things based off of that. You're doing things in response to. So let me know how that resonates. Next up, projectors. Projectors. You guys are here to wait for the invitation. And that can be, I understand, is extremely frustrating to feel like you have to wait for things to come into your world. Like you're just la-di-da-di-da, da-di-da-di-da. Cool. Which may sound counterintuitive as a business owner, right? So don't feel like you have to wait, wait. You can ask for the invitation, right? If if you are working with a client and you want to share something about um, the protocol that you're using, for example, right? But you want to also make sure that your client is going to hear it and be receptive of it. Ask them. So what that would look like is say you are counseling a patient and you want to see if they'd be open to suggestions that you have. So you would say after they've maybe given you like a recall and you're like, hmm, would it be okay if, or like, would you be open to it if I shared about some suggestions to increase flavor in your food or to make some of this food more enjoyable, right? You don't necessarily have to wait for them to be like, do you have any ideas on how to do that? Like you can ask for the permission before you start sharing. If you don't ask for the permission, it will feel pokey. I have a projector friend who sometimes, and she's very, very, very aware of her design, um, but sometimes it'll feel a little bit pokey if she says something that I didn't ask for, especially as a manifester, right? Um, The other piece of being a projector is not only waiting for the invitation, but also sharing, sharing what you're super passionate about because that invites people into your world and then they will be asking you questions about whatever you're talking about. Um, Maybe that'll even entice them to work with you or encourage them to work with you when you're sharing about what you're passionate about. So that's another way to invite people into your space and waiting for that invitation for it to click with someone, if you will. Hopefully that resonates. Then the last one are reflectors. So reflectors, if you look at their charts, it is completely open, meaning completely white, and you are here to wait. Wait a 28-day cycle, like a lunar cycle, before making a decision. And I think projectors, or rather, reflectors make up 3%-ish of the population, Um So if you're out there, you are a unicorn and you're super special. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise, projector, or rather reflector. Um, But yeah, that is literally your strategy is to wait and to sit in a decision before making it. And this is for like big, big decisions, right? Like I get it. If you're ordering dinner and you're like, hmm, should I have this or this? That's not going to be a great decision making tool for you. However, it is important when you are making larger decisions, whether it be for your business or for your life, 
that as a reflector, you are waiting those out and that you have a lot of alone time to be in your own energy or a lot of time outside to kind of just like ground and decompress and go back into your space because you are taking in and reflecting other people's energies all the time, right? So like, it's really important for you to be alone in your own space to be able to make these decisions in an informed way and in a way that feels like you. So waiting that lunar cycle is really key. Hopefully that resonates. So those were the human design types and the strategy that comes with each of those. The strategy meaning either to wait, to respond, to uh, initiate, to inform, things, things of that nature. The next piece, not only listening to your strategy, but also your authority. So you can have one of these authorities and you'll know by where it shows up on your chart. So most of the population has the solar plexus or the emotional authority, meaning that you need to wait out your emotional wave before you make a decision. What does that look like? Literally, it's different for everybody on like how long that emotional wave can be. And I think it also depends on like what the question is, right? Like what the decision is. The emotional wave can be an hour, a day, a week, a month even, right? But leaning into what feels like a yes for you. I often describe it, if it feels like a hell yes initially, it could still feel like a hell yes later. But again, waiting that out is really key for you. If at any point it feels like a maybe, is probably a no. But again, waiting out that decision is really important. And actually one of my friends who learned about this like a year and a half ago, she now only makes decisions based off of like the waiting time. So like if, if a colleague asks her to make a decision or if a company asks her to make a decision on like a contract, she's like, can you give me two or three days to do that so that she has the time to be able to decompress, to step away from it and make a decision that feels aligned to her, which is literally the way that emotional authorities should be doing it. And that's absolutely beautiful. So really try and lean into that if you are an emotional authority. The second most popular one is the sacral authority. So this is where you are making gut decisions. So really honing in and listening to your gut. You may feel it in different parts of your body, but it's either going to feel like a gut reaction, yes, immediately, or a gut reaction, no, immediately. And a good way to practice this, if you do have your sacral as your inner authority, is to have someone ask you yes or no questions. And rather than saying yes and no back to them, immediately, whatever your reaction is saying, mm-hmm or mm-mm as a way to respond, which is a really good way to start leaning into what this gut feeling sounds like and feels like for you. You may already feel it. Um, my, my hope for you is that you don't ignore it because that's really, really, really important. It's literally your decision-making like house, right? Like in your body. So listen to it if you feel it. Cool. Cool. The next most popular is splenic authority. 
and the splenic authority is intuition, intuition for one's self. So this you may similarly to like the gut feeling, you may just have this like intuitive feeling of correct and incorrect for yourself. You're going to feel it in different parts of your body. There's no yes or no or right or wrong way to feel this, right? Some people may feel it. I don't even know. I don't think I've ever met a splenic authority, to be honest. But like you may feel it in your fingers. You may feel it in your body somewhere. It may just be this inner knowing and you don't know how you know it, but you do listen to it. It's going to lead you in the right direction for that decision making. So that's what splenic feels like just listening to whatever you're feeling in your body. And again, it's not necessarily going to be a gut reaction, but listening to where you're feeling a certain draw, pull, or pressure in your body. The next one is ego or self. So I can kind of explain this one because I have an ego authority and ego just meaning like heart-centered or it's like a self, I don't want to say like self-centered because that's not the right, <laughs> that's not the right terminology, um, but it's knowing for yourself and it feels like a heart pull in the right direction. So the way I best describe it is like my heart is illuminated and it's like a lightning, like a, like a beam of light, like coming out of it when I know that a decision is for me, if that makes sense hopefully. So my fellow ego authorities out there, there are very few of us. Let me know if that's also how it feels. And then the least, um, the two least common, yeah, the two least common authorities, uh, one being a mental projector. So this is specifically a, an authority that a projector can have is where you need a sounding board. So this is from your like your ajna, which is your like thought processing center into your throat. You don't need advice from other people. You just need a sounding board. So speaking it out is really, 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 really important for mental projectors. Um, and it could be just speaking it out and recording yourself on video and watching it later, or just recording like voice messages for yourself or if you have a supportive partner or friend just speaking to them but asking them to just listen right you don't want any advice back all very important but like for you to be able to get your thoughts out as a mental projector and to arrive at a decision that works for you you got to speak it out and then lastly the reflector piece so reflectors are interesting in that they don't have an inner authority their inner authority links back to their strategy, which is to wait a lunar cycle. So reflectors, you guys are real special in that you need alone time to be able to make decisions that are aligned for you. And you need a lot of space to be able to do that. You don't necessarily need people around you. You don't necessarily have to talk it through. You just need time to arrive at a decision that is for you. So this episode was inspired by one of the attendees of the Denver um, Roundtable. So hopefully this is helpful and hopefully everyone kind of garners a little bit 
more insight into what their decision processes are. And truthfully, just learning about these two things in your human design can make epic changes. There's definitely a lot more that goes into it, but if you can just start doing these two things of listening to your strategy and listening to your authority and making decisions in this way, you are going to take steps towards creating a more aligned business and working in a way that feels more you. So mitigating that burnout bullshit and it takes a while. I'm not going to lie, guys. Like I've been in it for two years and like I still do the, like I still put pressure on myself, right? rather than starting my days off more chill. So just giving you some perspective there. It takes time, but if you know this, you can at least take steps towards making decisions that are for you rather than feeling like you have to listen to other people's idea of what's correct for you. So just throwing that out there. Alrighty, guys. Until next week, I hope you have an amazing weekend. Oh, I feel like I should announce this. I totally spaced Um, I am probably going to be hosting another masterclass later this month. If I can pull it together next week, then I will host it towards the end of the month in June. And this is going to be about the importance of connection post event, because it's more than just meeting people at the event, vibing with them at the event, and then you never speak to them again right? But they could be really cool collaborative partners. And unfortunately, I went to an event earlier this year and I've been ghosted by most of the people that I connected with. So it shows you that we definitely have a need for learning about continued connection and how important that is to solidify it at the event, post event, and then even after that, right? Like it's really relationship development. So we're going to go all up into that later this month in a masterclass that I'll be hosting for RDs, but also really anyone who wants to attend and up their game in the post-event connection space. (laughs) All right, guys. Until next time. Ciao.